This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast where we provide a place of connection, rest and encouragement for you who are on the journey of living out your passion and purpose in Jesus Christ just like us. My name is Sister Miriam James. We're continuing our series on the joy of the gospel. We're going to start part 4 today. But with me always are my dear, wonderful, beautiful, amazing, awesome Wonder Woman friends, uh, <laughs> Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. Heather, how are you doing today in the Pacific Northwest? I'm doing great, sister. Happy to be with you. Michelle, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm feeling good. I have coffee, a coconut milk latte in hand as I'm speaking. And so all is right with the world right now. And so, um, yeah. You got all, all your makeup on too, Michelle, this morning. Did you uh-huh. go somewhere? No, I have to film later on, and so I don't want to scare people when um, I have to film this afternoon <laughs> for a teaching thing. So, uh, you know, hey, it's really hard to wear makeup in Florida in the summer. Like, usually it's a top knot, uh, top knot on top of my head, and no makeup, and um, you know, either in beach clothes or workout clothes. So, hey, this is some fancy stuff going on for this podcast. You know, here we go. Well, we appreciate you making the effort for us, Michelle, and our listeners appreciate that too. Even though I can't see your beautiful face, they totally appreciate. Thank you. And I know, I know you all love me because I'm always the one that gets the early side of this deal because you both live, (laughs) um, (laughs) you're you're in a different time zone. So I'm always in my PJs with bedhead, and you all are looking really fresh and (laughs) happy. So you see me at my worst every time we record, and you still love me. We do love you. You're gorgeous, Heather Kim. We love you. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to talk about part four of our five-part series. I believe we're almost done. Of the apostolic exhortation of Pope Francis titled The Joy of the Gospel. And so this particular chapter, which totally convicted me and pierced me to the core of my very being, is called The Social Dimension of Evangelization. So... Yeah, I was reading it going, this is totally kicking my butt right now. And so he speaks about our, the the gospel is not just for you personally, it's for the whole world. And so we, it reminded me so so much of what Mother Teresa said, and I I know you guys are going to jump in here in a second, but it reminded me so much of what Teresa said, Mother Teresa, that, you know, the reason why we have so much war is because we've forgotten that we belong to each other. Mm -hmm. And I was, when I was reading this chapter, just so convicted just in what he's calling us to of how we belong to each other, that we need to take care of one another, that we need to reach out to the poor, that, you know, our life has got to be infused with, you know, really the poverty of Christ, how he chose to live, um, but also bringing the message of the gospel to the world was just so convicting to me. So that's kind of um, like where I started because he talks start, starts about talking about the kerygma, right? The initial proclamation of the gospel. And he says the kerygma has a clear number 177. The kerygma has a clear social content at the very heart of the gospel is life in community and engagement with others. The content of the first proclamation has an immediate moral implication centered on charity. So boom, ladies, there you go. What do you think about that? Heather, what are your thoughts about that? Were you convicted? I don't know. I totally was. Yes, yes, I totally was. Because he's talking about um, in another section that it's not just, like you said, it's not just about your personal relationship with God or like all of these little small gestures, personal gestures. He's like, the gospel is about the kingdom of God. It's about a loving God who reigns in our world. To the extent that he reigns within us, the life of society will be setting 
for universal fraternity, justice, peace, and dignity. I was like, what? (laughs) That was was the mic drop right there. I was like, holy cow, we can just stop the chapter. I need to reflect on that. Yeah, it's totally convicting. Because, But I think it's really good because it's like lift your eyes from your immediate surroundings. There is a kingdom, you know, and there is a God who reigns in our world. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, on one hand, I found it very hopeful. Like, let us not forget, there is a loving God who reigns in our world, um, but he also needs to reign within us so that it can change our society and not just us. You know, like I think sometimes we can be so focused on our own personal holiness and growth, which is really important. We do need to personally grow in holiness, um, but it's not just about us at the same time. It's like you need to experience this and bring God's kingdom to the world. And it really convicted me. I was like, am I even praying for that? Like, Lord, bring your kingdom uh, yeah. here and now. Like, bring your kingdom and, and being kingdom-minded. Michelle, I know you have all kinds of thoughts about being kingdom-minded. So <laughs> what, do you, what do you got going on over there in Florida? Yeah. I mean, once again, like, have I mentioned I really like this document? Um, so I really like this document. And so when he's talking about, um, like, a very the very beginning of this chapter, God in Christ redeems not only the individual person, but also the social relations existing between men. And, um, and he goes on later in that paragraph, after that paragraph, it says, evangelization is meant to cooperate with the liberating work of the Spirit. And I love that whole idea, liberating work of the Spirit, and that... Um, that to reconcile that this is all about reconciliation between um, humanity, that this is all about us being about one kingdom and one church and that it's not divided sections, you know, and like the uh, quote that you started with sister, that we belong to one another. We totally belong to one another, you know, and that I think right now, especially like in the United States, but all over the world, there is such, we are so divided and so polarized that um, we think that it's an either or instead of a both and, and that we've forgotten that we are supposed to be reconciled to one another. And we forgot that we're all part of a human race together, that we belong to one another. You know, whether we agree or not, we still belong to one another. And not only do we belong to one another, we have a responsibility for one another, you know, to reconcile and to come together, you know, and I guess this is just one of my, you know, like social aspects or one of my things that I'm really passionate about, but people being reconciled, you know, I think for us, it is something that we live with in our living room because we have a biracial family, you know, and, and, um, I thought I knew, like I really did before I, I brought our kids home from Haiti, I thought like in my just naive way, I thought I knew what it meant to have prejudice against you or the plight of um, minorities in this country or whatever. But I did not know. I had no idea. And it is not until you have someone else call one of your children the N-word that you experience like, are you freaking kidding me? Like this still goes on, you know, like mm-hmm. this happens. And it like really the last couple of years have just been one eye opening experience after another of just how divided we are, how much racism still exists, how much, um, you know, ignorance still exists and how much work we still need to do to reconcile the both, you know, mm-hmm. and that um, really it is blessed are the peacemakers and I think for most time in my life that I have been a peacekeeper, that I just try to keep the peace. Oh, Ooh, I don't want to rile different. their fingers up or rile their fingers up. But God's like, okay, 
girl, get get off the sidelines. You don't need to keep the peace. You need to make peace. You need to go into places that are hard and have tough conversations with a tender heart, but a bold voice, you know, to reconcile the things that are not reconciled anymore. And so, um, yeah, so this chapter was just beyond convicting to me and um, just stirred a lot of things up in my heart of, mm-hmm. okay, what does this mean personally for us? And it's already a conversation, like I said before, in a couple podcast back that we've been having in our house you know what is our response to the poor who are our least of these but this chapter just brought it you know i'm like all right lord i hear you like he's totally putting his finger on you know this point in my heart like okay all right i hear you all right name my poor who's the least of these okay you know you can't avoid it it is something that is an invitation for all of us to um dig deeper into so yeah that was me sister oh girl Mm -hmm. you preach it i well, and it's true. And he t- talks about throughout the chapter, he talk he names what we talk about the poor, whether it's, you know, the monetarily poor or the spiritually poor. He talks about concern for the vulnerable. He talks about women at risk. I, he really does. He doesn't, you know, spare. He talks about human trafficking. He talks about slave labor. He talks about, you know, just people that are on the margins. And it's so uh just really a great kind of call to humanity to, you know, like you said, where are the poor in your midst? And I was really struck by one of his, now I've lost it, of course, but I have it underlined, but he's talking about, you know, when we, when we speak about uh, bringing the good news to the poor, it's not us kind of, you know, going out to these people. I'm going to tell you the good news uh, here. I found it. He says, um, he's the poor of this. He said, this is why I want a church, which is poor for the poor because they have much to teach us. We need to let ourselves be evangelized by them. The new evangelization is an invitation to acknowledge a saving power at work in their lives and to put them at the center of the church's pilgrim way. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a conversation with one of my friends who were in the, you know, were in the same religious community. And she, she was saying, you know, it's interesting how sometimes people talk about being missionaries and it's almost like, I'm going to be a missionary to you and I'm going to save you. And she said, that's such an arrogant attitude versus having a treasure in Christ and going to meet people and hearing their story as well and encountering Christ in one another. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, Mm. how often are we, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do because I, you know, versus kind of like what you were saying, I believe in the last episode, Heather, about listening, about hearing people's hearts and bringing the good news and listening to how, how are they evangelizing me as well? So it's really a mutual sharing of gifts, would you say, Heather? Yeah, I I do. I do think so. I think sometimes, you know, like we can look at people on the street, say, for example, where the the poverty is very exterior, you know, and we can go, oh, boy, that's uncomfortable. That's dirty. I don't really want to touch that. Like, that's kind of scary, rough around the edges. But really, we might be even more poor on the inside. Oh, but yeah. we might look great on the outside. You know, like we can I I think it's just something that we need to realize. We all have areas of poverty in, in within us or sometimes exteriorly. And there's a lot that we can learn from one another. And I think that we have to come with hearts like that knowing that they aren't the poor one and we have all the answers. We're all poor <clears throat> and we need the pearl of great price. Ooh, girl, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michelle, yeah. what do you think? Okay. Well, you know, (laughs) okay. Soapbox standing up on. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. (laughs) But like when he, he, Pope Francis talks about in 183, he goes in, he said, all right, what are the message of St. Francis of Assisi and blessed tree are now St. Teresa of Calcutta. We got to update Pope Francis there. Anyway, he says an authentic faith, which is never comfortable or completely personal 
always involves a deep desire to change the world. I love that line. Me too. You know? And so, but it is uncomfortable. Like our faith should make us uncomfortable. Like I said, I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago from Shane Claiborne and anyone who has experienced Shane Claiborne, he is a trip and he is, he writes this book, Irresistible Revolution. And the way he lives is totally like the upside down economy of God. And, but he talks about, he's like, when people encounter the gospel, they're like, yeah, there was such peace. There's such this. Shane Claiborne says, when I encountered the gospel, it wrecked my life. He said, it totally wrecked my life and made me uncomfortable. And I think part of it, yes, when we experience Christ, when we experience our personal faith, it should bring us a peace, but it should make us downright uncomfortable too, because it is going to stretch us and it is going to lead us to lean on the Holy Spirit that we haven't in ways. And um, it goes on like in, in uh, 187, it says, each of us is an instrument of God for liberation and promotion of the poor and for enabling them to be p- fully a part of society. And I truly believe, and I said it in one of the previous podcasts, I don't think you can have a work of the Holy Spirit, like you can see the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit, without it being linked to the poor. Mm-hmm. Like the poor are God's favorite, and it, he, uh, Pope Francis goes on to say that in this chapter, the poor of his favorites, and we have a call and a responsibility to be linked to the poor in one way, shape, or form, because we in ourselves, as Heather was saying, are poor. But there is a problem in the world that God has specifically ordained for us to co-labor with him to be an answer to in some way, shape, or form. And some we are supposed to liberate something or someone, bring um, dignity to something or someone to relieve a need. And God really wants us to co-labor with him to do that, you know, in the vineyard. And so what is what are we supposed to call to liberation? What are we supposed to partner with the Holy Spirit in our own lives to liberate and um, bring some kind of dignity to, you know? Um, so, yeah, love that part, you know, totally spoke to me. Well, I think it's interesting that you're saying that because would, and I know we've had conversations about this, but sometimes it seems for many Catholics, and I can speak just because that's the traditional practice, that a lot of Catholics think, well, I go to Mass on Sunday and I've done my obligation. I fulfilled my duty. And I would say many Catholics don't know that, that their call, like you're saying, is, to, Michelle, to change the world. Yeah. To go and bring the, the – I mean, that's why the end of Mass is go in peace. You know, thanks be to God. Go out and change the world. Take what you've received here, the Lord and Savior, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and bring it out to the world, to the poor in, in our midst that are in our families, that are in our communities. And uh, it's just so true. I think we miss – we miss the whole point at times. It's not about fulfilling an obligation. Obligations are great. They're wonderful for us. But at the heart of it, it's about bringing Christ to the world. And as Pope Francis talks about in this chapter, it's all of creation. It's not just part of creation. It's not just one part. It's all of the human person. It's all of creation. It's every structural organization that we have. It, everything has to be permeated with the good news of the gospel. Yeah. And I think when people say something about changing the world, it seems daunting to them. Like, it seems like that it is a problem that is so big and there are so many areas. Where do I start? And, you know, once again, I love what Mother Teresa is, says, like, stay where you are. Find your own Calcutta. You know, find the suffering and the lonely where you are in your own homes or in your families, in your workplaces, in your school. If you have eyes to see, then he will reveal it to you what your poor is, you know, like um, and it is the small and ordinary done with extraordinary extraordinary love are world-changing. You know, 
where is God calling you to right now? But like we were talking about in the previous podcast, you have to take that time to listen. You have to make space to listen to where the Holy Spirit is leading, you know, and do it in his power, not your own with what like yes. it's not, it cannot be one more thing to do on your to do list. Mm-hmm. It has to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit defines where he wants to partner you partner in um, you with to um, change the world. Yeah, I agree with you, Michelle, wholeheartedly. And I also know that you have a heart for the third world and that we do have a responsibility there as well. I think sometimes we can go, oh, that's too big. I don't know what to do. So we do nothing, which also isn't an appropriate response. You know, there's many things that we can do to link ourselves to our brothers and sisters who are living in complete poverty and oppression in other parts of the world. Most of us live in a very safe place. We live in a peaceful country um, where we have a lot of things provided for us, you know, but why do we get to live here? You know, what an incredible blessing, what a gift. And I think we get to live here and we need to be a gift to others because we've been given this amazing um, opportunity, you know, to live in a peaceful country with a lot of means. Um, So I think we definitely need to look for ways. That's one of the things I love about what you do, Michelle. You make it accessible for people, even through purchasing things, uh, to support people in the third world, whether it's, you know, like buying um, jewelry or whatever that's made there that can support their businesses or just giving proceeds to, to different charities. I think that we can find easy ways to give and support um, while we are loving the poor in our midst as well. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And he, he, Pope Francis addresses that really in very powerful number 207. He just really hits it home and he says, any church community, if it thinks it can comfortably go its own way without creative concern and effective cooperation in helping the poor to live with dignity and reaching out to everyone will also risk breaking down. However much it may talk about social issues or criticize governments, it will easily drift into spiritual worldliness camouflaged by religious practices, unproductive meetings, and empty talk. (laughs) Woo. I was like, and then he says, yeah, he says, if anyone feels offended by my words, I would respond to them that I speak them with affection and with the best interest, (laughs) quite apart from my own personal interest. (laughs) You're like, oh, it's like I have to like live gospel. I mean, I don't want (laughs) to. Yeah, it's like he gave us a little smack and then a hug right after. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting. I love what he says about like being creative. Um, I remember my youngest yeah. daughter when she was about seven. She's an artist. She loves to draw and paint and all that kind of stuff. And she came downstairs one morning. I, it was like eight o'clock in the morning, and she's like, "Mom, I just drew this, and I had a great idea. I I want to start making my art and then selling it on, outside our house on our street, and then I can give the money to the poor." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't even." like eating breakfast yet and you're already (laughs) thinking and being creative about how you can reach out um, to a need in the world like I was really inspired by that and and I think we need to raise our children that way you know and and even if we don't have children you know people who are um, that we're speaking into their lives like I always tell my kids like whatever you do how are you going to make the world a better place? Whether you're a doctor, whether you're a priest, whether you're, you know, a teacher, like how are you called to make the world a better place? Because I want that to be their focus. We need to raise them up with this idea of like, how are you going to make a gift of yourself to the world? And as we teach them, we need to be living into that as well. How am I making myself a gift to the world? How is God calling me to do that? And I think mm-hmm. we need to be creative about it, you know, using our gifts that God has given us in whatever capacity to make the world a better place. But 
I think Pope Francis has this wonderful gift of being able to encourage us and speak some like real truth and then yeah, just give us a little pat and go, It's okay. <laughs> you're gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Heather, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like I we have to train our children up and those around us and like you said, and those without children to okay, where are we called to change the world? But in the second part of this chapter, it talks all about dialogue. So where are we called to have conversations that matter, Mm -hmm. like real conversations with meaning and conversations that are uncomfortable, you know, and that so we can become, um, like we're saying, peacemakers and reconcilers. You know, it's been really interesting as my kids are getting older to have conversations about issues that are uh, with people that believe differently than we do. You know, and so, but I realized, oh my goodness, we're going to have to model this, you know, like we are going to have to model this, like, okay, yes, we are rooted in our faith, but yet you have conversations with people that are different than me with dignity and respect. And you listen, you listen to their hearts, you know, Um, and it's not about proving that you're right. It's about listening and coming to some kind of um, reconciliation, you know, and it is not watering down the truth but is speaking the truth and love and really trying to hear where other people are coming from. I think one of the people I think that does it so well is Bishop Robert Barron. I mean, he is just really gifted at that, you know, of listening to other people, but he doesn't treat people like a project. He treats people with dignity and really tries to listen to their stories, which I think is so easy when you're, we talk about the poor, talk about people that are different. We just feel like we have a pride to it. We feel like, well, we're right. They just need to do it our way and saying, okay, no, there's, a both and way, you know, like we stick to our truth, but yet we really listen to their story and see how God is going to merge the two and reconcile the two together, you know? Exactly. And I think that extends like, yes, with the poor, it also extends within the church, you know, whether it be with Protestant brothers and sisters, like people of different faiths, how we approach those conversations that they're not like a project to be solved or like, oh, I totally beat them up um, with all of my, you know, catechesis or (laughs) apologetics or whatever. Like it is about dialogue and listening. And how can I understand you? Like, how can I deep understand where you're coming from um, and listen you know I think politically you know in our in our countries like I think that's a lot of where the problems are is that nobody's listening to one another oh yeah people are not listening you know really to the deep need like underneath not just listening to the words but what's underneath the words what's at the heart of what's going on so I think our approach needs to change with one another what are some of your thoughts sister well, this is exactly what Pope Francis is speaking about in the later end of the chapter is part four when he talks about social dialogue as a contribution to peace. And he talks about what true peace is. And then he talks about it's like the topics are dialogue between faith and reason and science, ecumenical dialogue, interreligious dialogue. And so that's exactly what he's speaking of, social dialogue in the context of religious freedom. And it's true. There's the power to being listened to. And, and how are we you know, united under one God? Like, like how can we receive that truth of what God is saying to us in this time in history, like as a society. And I really, so uh, my heart resonates when you both speak of treating people as people that are all made in the image and likeness of God, not as projects to be fixed. Or we, I mean, I know I don't like being treated like that by people. It's like, you know, I'm a problem to be fixed or a project, but to be authentically loved and valued and esteemed. And how can we, all of us uh, conform our lives to what is good, true and beautiful. And really that's what we want at the heart of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. So yeah. I think there's so much to this chapter. I'm looking through it. I, we're out of time, but I'm like, oh, we didn't even. T- I, please, we would just encourage you to read the chapter, spend time just meditating on it. It is so good. I mean, it's all great. 
but this, there's so many great, great parts of this one, the social dimension of evangelization. Uh, ladies, before we do our one thing, do you have a couple thoughts you want to wrap up with here or are we good to go? I think just one of my final thoughts um, just about all, all of what we've talked about today is that we need to re-encounter the gospel. We need to re-encounter Jesus. You know, there's no way that we can just put this on a to-do list of like, okay, help the poor. And another thing to add, um, tell my children to make the world a better place. <laughs> like, We need to be letting all of this seep deeply into our hearts. We need to sit before the Lord every day and enter into his gaze. We need to be asking God to bring his kingdom here and now. And that starts within our own hearts first. If we want it to come in our communities and our families and the world, we need to be begging God to bring his kingdom in our own hearts and to come underneath um, his lordship and his love, really, to experience that. Yeah. Amen. Michelle, any closing thoughts for you? Yeah, I was just pulling up. Pope Francis gave an address, um, it was probably about six months ago, like um, a homily at the Vatican, and he was talking about that there's even more beatitudes that we need to seek in, too, like that really lean into. And um, I was just pulling it up, and it says, Blessed are those who remain faithful while enduring evils inflicted on them by others and forgive them from their hearts. Blessed are those who look into the eyes of the abandoned and marginalized and show them their closeness. Blessed are those who see God in every person and strive to make others also discover him. Blessed are those who protect and care for our common home. Blessed are those who renounce their own comfort in order to help others. And blessed are those who pray and work for full communion between Christians. You know, and it's basically summing up this whole entire chapter, you know. So those are my thoughts. Uh, so ladies, are your one thing for the week, our part five, what is your one thing, Heather, as you think about what's setting your heart on fire this, this week? Yeah, just in regards, especially to this chapter, I was just thinking about the John 17 movement. There's um, a bunch of people who are collaborating and coming together in unity. They're really living it. Matt Marr is a part of that. Uh, the brilliance. There's there's a whole bunch of people involved, and I know they just met with the Holy Father in Rome last week. Um, and really, their whole thing is bringing unity um, between different denominations. And I, I love what they're doing. This is something that inspires me. I think that there is a special grace for unity in the church right now. Um, and whatever way that we can live into that and, and join them in their mission um, in small ways, in big ways, I just love what they're doing. I love how visible they are about building bridges, um, coming together to collaborate all under the name of Jesus. So very inspiring. Um, yeah. Michelle, Michelle, what's your one thing? My one thing is... Um, and going along with this um, podcast is uh, Join India, an organization that we um, partner with and um, that we also sell their products. But Melanie, the woman who started it, she started it in India, but she taught people a craft and how to um, really um, dye different fabrics and make these beautiful purses. And it's an art form. And in this art form and teaching this is restores dignity in them because they become self-sustaining and it has just taken off amazingly well. But if you ever meet Melanie in person, like she is like a modern day mother Teresa, like she will get young children and young boys and they'll be like begging for stuff. And she's like, Nope, I won't give you anything. But if you get on your best clothes and meet me at this workshop, I will show you something to do. And like how she's restored communities and just her whole vision 
is just beautiful and amazing. And um, I'm really just blessed to partner with her and join as an organization and all of that. And so, sister, what about you? Very cool. I recently heard Jason Everett speak uh, at a conference, and I just I love listening to him. And he was speaking to youth ministers about how to talk to your teens. And he said, before you do any of it, you have to spend time in adoration. And this is the quote that he said, and this is what I love. He says, adoration is the marination for the preparation of your presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I... So I, I just I just love the marinate. I like that it rhymes. I love that. But I just love the idea of marinating before you go out to marinate. And so this week, adoration, which you know we do as religious sisters every day, but adoration is my one thing. And you know maybe as you've listened today, you've had a lot of things stir in your heart. Or I, just let's let the Holy Spirit lead you. So if you have time this week, go down to your church, just spend an hour with the Lord and just ask him, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Where are you leading me in my life? Because we don't make our own plans. We're led by the Holy Spirit. So where is he leading you to change the world, right? And that's where you're going to find his heart, his heart for you and his plans for you right in the middle of the will of God for you. We uh, thank you for joining us this week for our part four. Next week, we're going to talk about spirit-filled evangelizers. We're looking forward to that. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you could please share it with a friend, um, direct them to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us. You can give us a, a rating on iTunes and just let us know what you think. We love hearing from you. And until we meet again, please know that you were praying for you and God bless you and have a great week.